1: bandwagon jumpers and a nation of them? That is a very interesting premise, one that Liam Napier wrote about today in the New Zealand Herald. Of course, he was also one half of the uh, Rugby Direct podcast with Elliot Smith, an absolute rugby head, and you've started off having a crack at us all about being bandwagon supporters. So did I misread that, Liam? Welcome to the programme. Tell us about the drive behind this piece because I think it's touched a nerve.
0: Good evening, Dar. I guess I looked at some of my own practices in recent times in regards to the All Whites and I guess some of my mates as well, their connection with sport and, and how it's evolved over time. And, and I guess looking at the All Whites, you know, I'm, I'm uh, my uh, engagement with football is, is pretty much non-existent really, but I found myself, you know, really gravitated to the All Whites and their World Cup qualification match. You know, I was up at 6am ready to go and ready to will them on to to make that World Cup, and and, and that's been the case in, in previous World Cups and similar cycles as well, um, you know, ready to sort of hitch my cart to the football wagon. And I think that's evident across New Zealand sport when you look at uh, the Super Rugby final selling out in five hours and, and Auckland uh, rugby fans wanting to get on that bandwagon and sensing, you know, the first title in 19 years. And and extends right throughout New Zealand sport if you look at, you know, the World Test Championship that the Black Caps won, everyone was cricket fans and everyone was, or seemingly everyone, was up through the night and donning the uh, Steady the Ship Caps and really, you know, embracing being a cricket fan. But now the Black Caps are back in England and and down 2-0 and and you're not really hearing from anyone about cricket. So I guess my observation is that we're a nation that loves to uh, have a sense of national pride to to get on a winning bandwagon. But probably other than the Warriors, you know, when the wheels fall off, we're sort of, you know, nowhere to be seen.
1: Is that necessarily a bad thing, being a bandwagon jumper? Because I remember back in the day, and this was way back before the Breakers started winning anything, and they've gone back to that place now. Guys saying to me, there's plenty of room on the bandwagon, guys, jump on in. They didn't care. They almost welcomed it. They embraced it.
0: Well, that's right. I guess sport is an entertainment product and it's on them to to lure you in. And success does that, doesn't it? You know, when teams start getting on a roll and momentum builds and, you know, you're sitting around the water cooler or at the pub or, you know, around the dinner table and your mates are talking about these things, that's generally because success is happening. And and you're right with the breakers when they won, I think it was, four titles in, in five years. They moved half their games from the North Shore event Centre to Spark Arena because of that demand. And that's just one example. So, yeah, I think it is uh, beholden to sports to, to lure you in and to maintain your support. But I think there is also an element of uh, loyalty and stickability that comes with. And, you know, uh, riding the peaks and troughs that come with the sports team over, over the years uh, can, you know, really endear you to teams. Um, it makes the, the good times better because you've been there through the, the bad times. And I think if we look at other parts of the world, certainly English football, you know, there's a real uh, endemic, um, almost, you know, down through the generations connection, deep connection uh, that, that comes with staying with a team through the, the good times and the bad. And I don't think we necessarily have that here. And um, I think we see it with the Olympic and Commonwealth Games sports as well. You know, whenever there's a gold medal, uh, we're first on the wagon to celebrate that. And that's great. But, you know, what about, uh, you know, um, all the Rolling World Cups or the Cycling World Cups that don't get the promotion and, and those athletes are sort of, you know, um, banging away behind the scenes. So we love to celebrate success. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think we're always there through through the bad times.
1: How complicit are we, i.e. the media in this, around covering this and creating that groundswell and that interest? Plainly they've got to be winning because that does turn people on to it. But if the media aren't there making a noise, it's not going to happen. So we, and I say we loosely, but we're in this role, are we not, Liam?
0: Yeah, we certainly play a, a massive factor in... What sports get coverage first and foremost, and you know audiences drive that to a point. But um, you know, uh, I guess that's uh, partly um, driven by resources and, and how much you can cover, and accessibility, and all those sorts of uh, different things. And But, yeah, it is uh, on us to give athletes promotion when they're they're doing well and when they're doing not because nothing in sport is linear, is it? You know, no no one ever wins forever. And, you know, uh, let's hope for the Warriors. No one ever loses forever. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we play a big role in that, for sure. And uh, coverage drives interest, whether that be on radio or TV or in print. And and that generally, uh, you know, that chatter during the week, that coverage... Stimulates uh, fans and and that drives interest and that gets them along to to games. Um, but also, I think success is just a big part of that. You know, the Super Rugby final was a real um, eye opener for me. You know, um, the All Blacks last year couldn't sell out uh, a home test, and then you know the Blues get on a fifteen match winning run, and there's a dream Super Rugby final against the Crusaders, and there's all this hype and anticipation and hope, and it sells out in five hours and You know, my question to Blues fans as well, you know, now they lost the final, will you be back for opening round next year? Or or do they have to make another final for there to be that level of interest and and support.
1: Yeah, it's holding on to that support, isn't it? And and generating more support, more fervour around what they do. And that's the difficult thing. What about in the case of someone like Israel Adusanya, who can be a very divisive character? Uh, The words he's been speaking around refusing coming back to New Zealand because the way the government uh, treated his teammates and so on and so forth. People have climbed on that bandwagon because he's so compelling to watch and to listen to. But how quickly can that turn when you look at the coverage of the media and some of the things he said, it can be a poisoned chalice, a double-edged sword, if you will, Liam?
0: Yeah, I think when you're at the top of the tree and you're winning and you know, you're know you sort of invincible to a point, you can almost say and do anything you like. And I think Israel Adesanya is at the peak of his powers, isn't he? He is seemingly untouchable in the middleweight scene in the UFC at the moment. And... Uh, when he goes overseas to uh, to the states and uh, to a lesser extent to the UK, you know people fawn over him there, and, and the amount of coverage he gets across the spectrum is, uh, you know, he'd be one of the um, one of our most high-profile athletes across any sport. So he uh, he comes from a place of power, and you know he can pick and choose who he talks to and what he says without any real repercussions because the UFC is a sport that lives off self-promotion, you know, it's uh, so predominantly come to life through social media and, and that that's how um, fights are made, the fans have a big say in what sells and what doesn't, so, you know, uh, fight sports are very, um, the promotion, their entertainment, they sort of get it from that perspective, uh, they're out there, they put themselves out there and they sell their sport really well, so... Israel Desanya at at the moment, you know, he's at the top of his game. He's winning. He can say and do anything he likes. But, you know, if he loses a title and and has a couple of back-to-back losses, then who knows? You know, maybe one day uh, fighting in New Zealand will be attractive because uh, other fights and other uh, locations around the world won't be so easy for him to to sort of sell out and and headline cards. You know, he's not going to be where he is forever age catches up with everyone and and there's always new contenders emerging. So um, I think there's an element of, you know, being a wee bit wary of not burning too many bridges, but at the same time, he's a made man already, isn't he? So uh, at the moment, he's got nothing to lose.